Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. My name is Mike Rifkin, joined as always by Nathan Moser, Noah Trombley. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, sir. <laughs> How's it going? The typical Moser, how's it go? How's it going? I know, I got, I got, really got to change it up. I mean, I am very curious how things are going, but you know, I, I mean, I got to take a new approach to this. Although we haven't done one of these in a while, like it's been like about I mean, a month, like a little. We took like a little bit of a holiday break, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But we're back. But we are back. We are better than ever, and we have a lot to discuss tonight we'll talk a major trade we'll talk a gm stepping down take a little look at the standings and we'll talk about other issues but let's dive on in with an issue that quite frankly has not gone away covid19 is still here people yay and it is affecting excuse me, is affecting the National Hockey League. As of right now, four teams are on COVID-19 leave because of players being on the COVID list. They would be the New Jersey Devils, Buffalo Sabres, the Minnesota Wild, and the Colorado Avalanche. And it was the Vegas Golden Knights, too, you said? And it was Vegas. They just got off of it. Vegas got off of it last night, played their first game and didn't look like they missed a beat. So here's where we're going to have issues. So the New Jersey Devils had, what was it, about four or five players on their list? There was There was five at one point for the Devils. Okay. And then they went to play two games in Buffalo. And there were more players added to the list. And now the Sabres have a COVID issue. And and there's and there's a thing too with that because you know they were they were back to back games with the Devils. First Devils game happens like I don't know if they they might have had like you know don't quote me on any of this because I I I don't I don't have the it right in front of me this second but. Um, Devils had, I think, a couple players. I think Zajac was one player at some point during this that had it. Um, but they they had a couple players that had it. They said, okay, we'll, we'll play that first game or whatever. And then I think they had a couple more cases. So I think it might have been five cases after the first game. And then the Sabres were like, okay, we kind of want to know what – whatever the number was. They The Devils had might have had a couple cases. They, anyway, they played the first game against the Sabres. They got more cases. The Sabres kind of contacted the NHL league office and the Devils, supposedly, and were like, can we have more information about this? Should we not be playing this next game against the Devils? And then all of a sudden, like they they got nothing back from either the Devils or the NHL, and so they played the second game, and then... It bumped up from at some point. It bumped up from five Devils players having COVID to ten, or it was like on the COVID list, whatever. The, I don't know if they didn't. 
the positive tests, how they're determining this. But it, the number jumped from 5 to 10 in the COVID category for the Devils. And so the, the and then all of a sudden Sabres started to get it, like, like Ristolainen and, and I think Taylor Hall were the first two players to get it. Uh, Ralph Kruger eventually got it. I saw today that two new players have been added to the list, Dylan Cousins and Curtis Lazar. So COVID is traveling through the team now. And the Sabres are beyond furious right now because they basically said, well, where was this? You know, we shouldn't have played the second game. Where were the Devils and where was the league with getting back to us on this whole COVID situation? So they're upset. And I can I can totally understand why you want to be on the same page in the league. The Sabres had a right to know what was going on. And the league... I, I think I saw somewhere the league denied that the Sabres reached out or something like that. And it's like, okay, I'm the type of person and I'm the type of person where, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if the Sabres are, are like not happy, I feel like they're just, they're not going to just say, they're not going to just be mad at the league for like, you know, if they didn't say anything like, Oh, what the heck, man? Like they're, they probably did their due diligence because they do Everyone wants their players to be healthy. So, and I just don't understand the league basically basically coming out and saying, yeah, the Sabres didn't reach out to us or anything like that. I mean, look, regardless of whether the Sabres reached out or not, that was still a situation you needed to handle because things got a little bit out of proportion. Maybe you should have thought about postponing the game or something like that. And we've seen they're not afraid. I mean, I've seen on multiple occasions this week where they've postponed games. They're not afraid to do that. I don't know why they were so stubborn on the issue of, oh, well, we got we to gotta play that second game. I mean, it's very flexible to move games around. But, you know, it's it, – you know, and, and there's more teams. I don't want to just dive in on just Sabres-Devils, but I but there's been talk Sabres – you know, I think Bob McKenzie said Sabres were furious that the league and the Devils did not get back. And now Ralph Kruger, the Sabres head coach, has COVID. Hall, Ristolainen, and now Cousins, and uh, Curtis Lazar. There are a couple other players on that list as well that also have it. I think Tobias Reeder was another guy who had it. Um you know, so COVID's traveling through the team, and the the main point of this is that this could have been avoidable, and this looks bad on the NHL's part, in my opinion. Um, again, I wasn't there for any of this. It's just the way that the picture gets painted to me. It looks like the NHL – it looks like this could have been avoided, either by the Devils or the NHL or, I mean, if the Sabres didn't look into this, maybe they should have looked into it. I'm not picking anyone's side. I'm not trying to criticize anybody. Or maybe I'm criticizing everybody. The point is, is that this I feel like this could have been avoided, and it wasn't. And so someone didn't do their job and handle this because this is a global pandemic, and you need to take things seriously. These players are putting their their health at risk here, not just because they're going out on the ice and getting hit all the time, but because they're playing in a global pandemic. And you know, I mean, anything can happen. You know, so the. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation, but I this just feels like, and maybe I'm wrong, but this feels like this could have been avoidable. Yeah, it, it's very weird because, like you said, Nate, like if the Sabers got to the NHL and they said, "Hey, listen, we know that this Devils have players who have COVID. What's going on? Why are we playing the second game?" If they did that, 
that looks horrible on the NHL because they are blatantly disregarding a team's concerns about a global pandemic. And like you said, and another thing, like you said, even if they didn't reach out to them, you should have been on this. It, it's bad enough that we have other people, a lot of people who don't take this pandemic seriously. The last thing we need are these organizations not taking this thing seriously. Well, and, and the thing, too, is that if the Sabres did reach out and the NHL didn't do anything about them reaching out and then they come out and say that the Sabres did not, you know, reach out. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just, you know, these are hypotheticals. Well, it's out. it's he said, he said that, right now. That if that if the Sabres reached out, the the league didn't do anything about it, and then the league claims that they never reached out, then the league is not trustworthy in a very serious situation because we're dealing with people's lives. I mean, we can look at the COVID, you know, the, the COVID, you know, all the COVID numbers and stuff like that, and, I mean – all you got to do is look at that for a second. You see how serious this is still, um, you know, now that we're reaching basically a year that this virus has been around and, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on like a hundred different scenarios because I don't want to just assume anything. Problem is, is that we don't know what happened. We can only go off of the Sabres claim that they reached out to both the devil's organization and the league and got nothing back. League claims the Savers never reached out to them. I haven't heard anything on the devil's end at all for this, uh, at least from my perspective. Maybe they did say something. Maybe there was a statement. Maybe there was something, but I did not see it. Um, and, you know, it's just it, – it just sucks. It's just – it's a crappy situation. It is a crappy situation. I applaud the league for trying to get a season through during this. I do. Of course. Here's the problem. You cannot have this both ways. We're trying to get a season through. But at the same time, you're kind of keeping everyone in the dark of what's going on until there's a big outbreak. Doesn't work like that. As soon as one of these teams has a positive test, you shut it down. And you run a rapid testing for two days or whatever it is. Now, in the case of the Devils and the Sabres, it's just... What are we doing? I don't want to. Yeah, and I don't want to just make this about double sabers too, because it, no. The, well, this is the it's the fairest example because they right. played back to back. Yeah, I just don't understand. To go back earlier, why didn't they just do bubbles for this? If it was only going to be east, west, north, south divisions, or okay. Uh, okay. East- so what what I've gathered is. The players were not really in favor of bubbles because of being away from family. It didn't, wasn't, I, I, I could be wrong on the player, but didn't Devin Dubnik say something really strongly that he, he was really hoping that they were not never going to go back to the bubbles? 
It could have been him. I know it there might have been him. I don't want. I don't. And look, I, I understand where the players are coming from, but it's one of those unfortunate things where it's kind of like, uh, like you said, Mike. You can't have it both ways. It should. This, this is how it should be. If you want to play, you got to go to a bubble. If you don't want to, if you don't want to go to the bubble, sorry, can't play. That's the only way we can ensure that people stay safe. An outbreak doesn't happen like this. Sorry, like this is how it should be. Well, right. the thing is, is that not every player. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to cut you off. Not not every player – I mean, like you see what the NFL did where the NFL is like, okay, you have a certain amount of time to opt out of the season, think about it or whatever, and just go from there. NHL could have said, look, we're doing bubbles for the divisions, and if you don't like it, opt out. And granted, I'm, the teams don't want that to happen. No one does. But we're not under normal circumstances here. You know, I mean, these players care about their health. They don't want to be, you know, away from their families. I mean, one team that, you know, one team that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to plug my stuff, but one team that I cover is the Flyers. And Claude Giroux has, you know, a young a young kid with his wife. And, I mean, I, I see, you know, his wife posts stuff on Twitter, you know, where it's like, it's like, he, you know, their kid is watching Claude uh, play and stuff. And, you know, she posts on her Twitter like, oh, going to miss daddy, you know, for you're not going to see daddy for a, for a while, you know. And it's it's just if if they basically said, look, we're going to do bubbles. If, if Claude Giroux doesn't want to do a bubble, then he has the right to opt out and then he can spend he can just be with his family for this season. This I, I mean, look. We as much as as much as we want this to just be a normal season, it's not. not. It's a 56-game so season. It's so a fewer-game season. It's, you let's know. pull the curtain back all the way and see what's really going on. Let's not pretend. Let's not sit here and pretend, oh, we're in our little hockey rink, the bubble, you know, and everything like that, and everything's fine in our fantasy land. It's not. It Things aren't, you know, and, I mean, Mike, I don't know when you when you wanted to get to this, but can I – but, I mean, we're seeing what the NHL could potentially become with what happened this week in the NWHL. Right, and, and we'll hit, we'll jump right into that. So, the NWHL actually had a bubble in Lake Placid. They were gonna do a tournament and playoffs. Eventually, I think they called the Isabel Cup. I think it's yes. called. Mm-hmm. Was actually going to be televised on NBCSN. They have canceled their season because of positive tests in COVID. So. You feel for those players and everyone who did so much work behind the scenes. Yeah. Go ahead, Nate. Do you mind if I read the uh, – because I do have an AP News article out. Go from, ahead. From Stephen Wino. Um, so it's titled, uh, NWHL cancels rest of season after additional virus positives. So just reading the first couple uh, sentences from this, again, from Stephen Wino of AP News, Associated Press. The National Women's Hockey League called off the remainder of its season Wednesday on the eve of the playoffs because of additional positive test results for the coronavirus. The NWHL cited safety concerns for what it called the suspension of play inside a quarantine bubble in Lake Placid, New York. COVID-19 instead wreaked havoc on the two-week event. Again, from Stephen Wino, Associated Press. Um, So, I mean, the... I guess the question here lies, 
you know, is is with you know we see it with the NWHL that they had to cancel the remainder of their season because of COVID. Are we going to see this again with the NHL? I mean, I, granted, and I know the NHL. I mean, worst case, if they did do this again, they would try to do. I mean, I don't know. Do you try to do a playoff bubble based on ten games? I mean, you know, it's it's just it's, you you'd have to do a whole team, a whole league, just playoff and just see what happens. That's unfortunately what it had to do. And look, it's be, it's going to be the NHL's fault because they not they're not taking a hard enough stance on this issue. We saw earlier this year, last year with the NFL, plugging our other podcast, where the Bills and the Titans, they did they, the Titans, they did not take a harder stance on the Titans, and of course they had more tests pop up later that the year. The leagues are not taking a hard enough stance on this COVID issue. I don't think it's the leagues, to be honest with you. So I think it's regular people, and you have to understand what is going on here. And I don't think enough people understand what's going on, or they straight up just don't care anymore. And I think the cause is and what the effects are. It's a cause and effect situation. The issue the leagues are going to have is, a, it's hard to get the bubbles done. It It's going to be hard again if they want to do that. Because players don't want to be away from their families, which is totally understandable. A lot of these teams aren't making money. There are no fans in some of these arenas currently. So you're trying to work your way around and through this. They've limited travel. I, I mean, think about it. Look at the divisions. There's an all-Canada division. You know, the East Division's, you know, up and down the East Coast, basically. You got the kind of the Central Division, then you got the West. They're trying as hard as they can to limit travel, limit these things. They're doing two-game series, which I think are fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still going to be effective. The, The issue is the virus just isn't going away right now. It's not. And until whatever sport you are, it's going to continue to be an effective disturber of whatever you're trying to go. And until listen, I, 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 sorry, until we reach herd immunity with the vaccines. Well, at this point, we don't know if, well, again, but that's another thing is that the leagues are going to have to do at some point, they're going to have to say, listen, if you want to play, got to go get the vaccine. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Sorry, like you have to go get it. I I think eventually, and you know, the vaccine will be made mandatory, not made mandatory, but eventually it's gonna, you're gonna get more and more, and we're gonna get through this. You're just gonna keep fighting through. We are going to get there. It's just a question, not if, but when. Mm hmm. But, look, we all knew that there was going to be an issue with these seasons. Whether you're the NHL, you're the NBA, you're Major League Baseball. Problems are going to happen with this. You're just going to try your best to get through and go move forward. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just what we have to do. That's what you got to do. If you want the games, this is how it's going to happen. 
that's that's like the best way to sum it up. If you want the games, this is how it's going to be. You just got to accept it. Yeah. Anything else on COVID? No, because I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. No, I think we covered everything. <clears throat> PSA, wear a mask. Yep. Absolutely. That was your Rifkin PSA. I don't have a sponsorship for it yet, but I'll get one. Don't you worry. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get some sponsorships for the sponsorships podcast. in for me. All right. Onto a situation where I'm gonna really just talk, and you guys are going to listen. Fair enough. So last Saturday night, the New York Rangers lost a game in overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the final score was four to three. It was announced Sunday morning that the Rangers had placed defenseman Tony D'Angelo on waivers. So after the game Saturday, it was reported that Tony D'Angelo and goaltender Alexander Georgiev got into it a little bit. I'd be separated by teammates and, uh, you know, you could read the reports of what's written in the newspapers about what happened. Um, I'm not really going to divulge into it. So here's the situation that general Rangers general manager, Jeff Gorton said in a press conference on Monday, Tony D'Angelo took a penalty in the season opener against New York Islanders. As he was going to the penalty box, he was chirping with the official eventually slammed the door of the penalty box. Got a two-minute unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. After the game, D'Angelo met with general manager Jeff Gordon. I'm guessing president of hockey operations John Davidson and coach David Quinn. And they had said, look, you do it again, we're placing you on waivers. D'Angelo was then scratched for the next two games. Now... This story comes out, and D'Angelo was placed on waivers with the Rangers looking to try to trade D'Angelo, which may or may not be soon. We don't know. Tony D'Angelo posted career-high 53 points last season. This is something that has been brewing for a while. D'Angelo was very prominent on social media for a number of things that may or may not be acceptable. It, again, read reports. He's gotten arrogance, you know, to, to some of this. But look, the end of the day, your play is what people look at. And Tony D'Angelo put up 53 points last regular season. And the return to play against Carolina, he was terrible. He was Terrible. Start this season, terrible. And the Rangers rewarded him after last year with a two-year contract. And I think I said it to you guys, I wouldn't have brought him back. You did. I, do I, would, not, I would have given his money to Jesper Foss, who left him free agency, ironically enough, to Carolina. So since they waived Tony D'Angelo, the Rangers are 2-0, and so I don't know if there's a real side effect here, but... Um, well, I'm sure in the locker room it's a lot happier in there. <clears throat> yeah, so, look, situations like this happen. Players are going to get into it. 
The issue is you just got to be able to control yourself. And I, I want to find the right words to say. <clears throat> because I'm going to keep myself in check here. But just if you're going to puff your chest out, back it up. Back up your play on the ice, play, play your stuff. And look, Tony D'Angelo's a decent player. He's not a great player. But he knew the consequence. They warned him. They straight up said, you do something st- stupid again, we're going to put you on waivers. He did something stupid again. He's on waivers. He's not playing a game again for the Rangers. <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing is, is like going back to the locker room thing, like the fact that he and, and Georgiev. Georgiev. <clears throat> now I got to drink more water. Uh, Georgiev, he, the fact that they got, you know, the fact that they got into like a bit of an altercation r- reportedly, uh, I mean, that just goes to show you that the impact that it was having on the locker room, and I'm sure the locker room is a lot like a happier place now that he's no longer there. Um, you know, <clears throat> and suppo- and reportedly, I think Keandre Miller was the one that broke up the, the, the bout. Th- between- that's what reports have said. You know, I- I'm sure there was a group effort in separating the two. Right, right, right. But, but yeah, it came out that Keandre was at least part of it. Um but yeah, no, I mean, look, this is his play just hasn't been good this year, and you know, and his temper's flared, and like you said, there's a little bit of an arrogance there, and you know, if you're gonna be arrogant, you have to back it up, and he didn't, and now he he has to pay the consequences for it, and and I thought I read somewhere that I think the Calgary Flames were possibly going to do some due diligence on him, whether or not they were going to, whether or not they're going to trade for him or not, whether that actually goes through or not, we'll see. But yeah, I think isn't he isn't he like like I mean he's not playing anymore. He's just on the taxi squad until they can trade him or something. All right, so they placed him kind of. I don't know if they put him on the taxi squad or on Hartford. But he, I believe, is sitting at home waiting to be moved. You know, he's not actually going to play. But yeah, I think not. it was the tax. I think it was the taxi squad. Yeah, he, he's not going to play. Yeah, no, no, he's not. And Dar- he's Darren Drager said as a few days ago, there are teams who have called about him. And I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Why would you call about that guy? Honestly, if I'm a team like this, I'm not touching him with a ten foot pole. You're getting in fights with your teammates. The stuff you're posting online is not very flattering, and you won't stop when we tell you to stop. Why would you want a guy like that? Well, he's 53 points. I sure were pretty good, so that's a good number for a defenseman. That, that, I, the, the man- it, it, it's kind the of man- a, it's a last chance. It, it, it's a management that the management that trades for him thinks that they're able th- thinks that they're able to fix what's going on. That's ultimately what it's going to come to. If Whether it's the Calgary Flames or whoever it would be that would make this trade. He's got to go to a strong locker room. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one that's that's going to pull him aside. They're not going to take... You know, they're going to they're gonna try to help him along. They're going to try to tone him down and just... 
you know, and I'm sure Tony realizes that if he does, I mean, he better thank his lucky stars if he gets another, he gets another role and he better shut his mouth and just, just play hockey. Don't be arrogant. Don't, you know, don't get into fights with teammates. I mean, this is stuff we shouldn't really have to say, but, um, you know, and just play, just play your game and, you know, go from there. But that's, again, that's if, that's if he does get another chance because, you know, with, with any professional sports team, your next chance is never guaranteed. Unless of course you're like McDavid or something, but, but, you know, I mean, but otherwise for the most part, it's never guaranteed that you're in, you know, and it's not for him either. So, I mean, who knows? He could be in the NHL or he's just at home. I hope it's Calgary. I'll make a deal with you, Calgary. I'll take Sam Bennett if you want Tony D'Angelo. Well, supposedly the Leafs want Sam Bennett. <laughs> the, the, why do the Leafs want Sam Bennett? How could the Leafs because, because everyone because it, because it seems like every single person who's available, somehow the Leafs are involved in that. And it's like, okay, and they don't, like, cap structures never, never factors into any of that, apparently. Uh, I don't know. It's all rumors. I mean, anyone can go anywhere. I mean, it's. Hey, Leafs, I'll make you a trade. Tony D'Angelo, Frost, and Matthews, what do you say? Oh, my God. Yeah, right? If only. That's happening. Then they'll pawn, try to pawn Nylander. I was like, no, no thanks. No, his dad can tell him how New York was. His dad was part of a great line. Him, Yarmir, Yager, Marty, Straka. Oof. All right. That's the Tony D'Angelo situation. We'll keep it monitored uh, for when he, if or when he gets moved. But according to Darren Drager, that could happen sooner rather than later. All right, on to we haven't been on in a while, so this is a blockbuster that happened, even though blockbuster has been closed for a long time. Wow, really? You don't have to do that company like that. I did. I liked blockbuster. Oh, they were phenomenal. I I used to get video games from there. Yeah. All right, so. Onto this blockbuster trade, the Columbus Blue Jackets sent disgruntled center Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Winnipeg Jets for disgruntled winger Patrick Laine, disgruntled center Jack Roslovic, Roslovic, I'm not sure. I think Dubois went with a draft pick, right? There was a, okay. Winnipeg also received a third-round pick in the 2022 draft. So here's the fun part about this. Line and Dubois went 2-3 in the same draft. I was the there that where, night. The draft where Austin Matthews went number one overall. Yeah, that, that was that was cool. Uh, yeah. but, well, I, that was such a surprising thing that Dubois went three because everyone, most people had Puglia Yarvi going three. And then all of a sudden, I still remember uh, – Dubois going at three, and and just the gasp from from around the arena, and I'm just like, oh, and my mom's like, what happened? And I'm like, yeah, he wasn't supposed to go at that spot, <laughs> you know. Uh, but Look, uh, no, Columbus I mean, got I, the right guy. 
Well, Kekalainen well, but Kekalainen had probably seen enough of Puy Yarvi because they're both from Finland. So he had a little bit of an inside track. I'm sure he had, if it wasn't him personally going over there, some of the scouts he had he knew people. were there. He knew. He knew what was going on. Um, but, yeah, no. And, um, you know, when this trade first got announced, or not the trade getting announced, when it was announced that Winnipeg was interested, I think it was Drager that said this, um, that Winnipeg was in on Dubois, I'm thinking, okay, well, you could really take care of two situations with one trade. I mean, Line's not ha- hasn't been happy in Winnipeg, and Dubois isn't happy in Columbus right now. I didn't even think about the Roslovich angle of this, too, because that works out perfectly because he actually is – I think he's from Columbus, or at least he, he has a residence. played at Ohio State, I believe. Yeah, or at least he has a residence in Columbus now. But, um, you know, the, so that trade really just kind of fell into place the way that it did. Three players the, – all the players that were in this trade were not happy with the teams they were on, and it – like Roslovich being in Columbus is like, all right, well, that works out. And then line A, I mean, he's not happy. We can throw him in there. Dubois was not happy. We can throw him on the other side. You throw a third round pick in there, you know, to get both sides to think that it's even. I know some people don't think that the trade was even <laughs> at all, but um, you at least get both GMs to think that it was even. And then, uh, you know, they pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. It, it it yeah, it's a fantastic trade. I mean, you gotta look at it. it's like Line. I would say Line and Dubois are on the same levels as far as talent and as far as what they bring to a team. And like you said, Nate, they take care of bad situations on both sides. Dubois is not happy in Columbus. Line is not happy in in Winnipeg. All right, here you go. Trade spots. Yeah, both needed changes of scenery, and I and I they will we'll see how that goes. I mean, well, Line and Roslovic. Roslovich have both scored for Columbus already. Yeah. Dubois has not played yet for Winnipeg. He'll make his debut on Tuesday. That's because Canada requires a 14-day quarantine. So, I love this deal for one team in particular. I love this deal for the Winnipeg Jets. Because you win in the NHL with three things. Elite goaltending. Checkmark Connor Hellebuck. Pretty good defense. Question mark of that. They probably need some upgrades there. The third thing you need to win in the NHL? Center depth. Mark Shifley, number one. Paul Stasny, number two. Pierre-Luc Dubois, number three. That's center depth. And that's really good center depth. And it's really fun center depth. All of a sudden, because Winnipeg's always had good wingers. That's the one thing they got. You got a top line of Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and the criminally underrated Kyle Connor. And I will not have any Kyle Connor slander on this podcast. I will not accept it. You have a second line of Pat. Uh, I was about to say Patrick Liney. He was on the second line. But Paul Stasny, 
Andrew Kopp, and Nikolai Ehlers, who's come alive this year. He looks really good. And then it's just, you get two guys to play with Dubois. I love this for Winnipeg. And the other reason I love this for Winnipeg is I don't know how the Patrick Liney torts thing is going to work out. Mm-hmm. That's something that just scares me. Two very, like, hot-headed individuals. It's not even that. It's like, Torrance is so shot block. Do this, do that. And Liney's not that kind of guy. Right, yeah, they just don't mix. <clears throat> Here's the thing that I'll say about Patrick Line. Besides the fact that his jersey and the retro, the reverse retro looks amazing. Oh, my I, God, I, those I, are, oh, my God, they wore them the other night against, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I I I loved it. I loved it when they I loved it when they came out with it, and uh, I I just think that it's but but to see I never thought I'd see a Patrick Line reverse retro, and I just think that that's phenomenal. But um, no, but I will say this about Line when he was drafted by the Jets second overall in 2016. Remember, like I said, I remember being there for that, and that was a really cool moment for him and and everything. But um, the thing was, is I always kind of looked at the Jets as like, okay, well, he's their corner piece. This is the guy they're going to build around because he coming into that draft was considered a guy of that caliber. Now, you looked at and, – and to make a comparison to 2015, obviously McDavid's in a category of his own. He's the best player in the league and isn't close in my opinion. Um, well, at least one of the best. I think he's the best. But, no, he, but, he's but, the best. But the thing is, is he's a court. He's in a league of his own, but he he is the face of the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Eichel, who went second overall, was, is the face of the Buffalo Sabers. Austin Matthews, who went first overall in 2016, is the face of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, yeah, I know Tavares. I know he's Tavares. One of the captain. faces. I understand. No, but it, it's Matthews's team. I, I I refuse to believe that it's Tavares's team. Um, and it's you know Matthews is the face, you know of of the Leafs, at least one of the faces. But I think he is the face. And Line A, I always thought was the going to be the face of the Winnipeg Jets, and that just never happened. <laughs> it just never was the narrative. And he he was considered. A guy that was part of that, but he never was considered to be the guy, and I never understood that entirely. But then I've also heard people say that he was kind of more one-dimensional with his game. You know, I heard various things about why that might not have been the case where he was the guy. And obviously, I know with every other example that I mentioned, McDavid, Eichel, Matthews. As you said, all centers. Line A is a winger, but at the same time, not that I was trying to compare him to Ovechkin, but you do have examples of wingers who are superstars and carry their teams on their backs who are not centers, who are forwards and stuff. And I thought Line A could have potentially, maybe not have been Ovechkin good. I, I don't want to give him that much credit, but he could have been, he could have carried the Jets on his back to a degree with the other talent that they had in Shifley. And then when they got Stastny and everything like that, I thought that that was very well possible and that just didn't happen. Okay. So I, I agree with everything you said, but, but he, here's my counter argument. 
Alex Ovechkin was never, I know he was the number one pick, but he kind of just, he took that brass, proverbial grass, brass ring we hear so much about, and he grabbed it, and now he's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Well, I, I, the Ovechkin Patrick comparison never, might be bad. The Ovechkin comparison might be bad because I think Ovechkin is just a better player than Line A, but yeah, I mean, he is. No, but, that, that, that's fair. I'm just saying if, if we're going to go through, I mean, McDavid, I understand. The other three are centers, and I totally understand center depth versus winger. So he, here's the example I'll give you because how about Patrick Kane? Yeah. Ironic because they have the same first name. <laughs> Patrick Kane is more known as a distributor, but he can shoot when he has to. He's pretty good defensively, but Patrick, it's always looked at as Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tace. It's not one or the other. It's the two of them together. If Patrick Liney was willing to do a little bit more here and there, it could have been Line A and Shifley's team. But I think the the thing is, I don't even think you could look at Blake Wheeler's got a piece of the the Winnipeg Jets. Mark Shifley's got a piece of the Winnipeg Jets. Remember when Line A came in? Dustin Bufflin was there. Dustin Bufflin had a portion. And then, oh, Connor Hellebuck said, you know, I can play goalie pretty good. Yeah, well, he could have been the Lenny just could have been the face of a deep team. I'm not saying that well, like he had to be the guy. Well, I mean, he could have been the guy, and they still could have just had talent all throughout the yeah, roster. But I, I'm just saying he he's, there are nights where if Patrick Liney was invisible, Winnipeg could still win. I think yeah. a good comparison. I mean, granted, I mean they just this might not be. I mean, they could have potentially have been potentially have been like the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that that model is kind of – I know Stamkos is also a center, but, you know, where Line A was the face. But realistically, I mean, the Lightning were able to – I mean, and I know Stamkos was behind the scenes, but Stamkos was not on the ice beside, you know, for that whole playoff thing, and the Lightning still found a way to get it done without him. And I know that he said he was off the ice and everything like that. I know he was still there. But this is like if you take Line A off of the Jets – the Jets could have still been like a you know a powerful machine, but then adding Line could have been that much more lethal. That's the potential they could have had. I'm not saying be as good as Tampa, but I'm just trying to use that as a comparison with. They, they, there's a face of the franchise, but the like the reason the team is good is because the team is so deep. That's what that's what the model yeah. is. I, I also think we have to take a look at was what happened between Paul Maurice and Patrick Line that fractured that relationship. Because that's something we that has to be that has to be you have to dive into because there has to be something there on why Maurice and Line didn't trust one another. And, so and, and is and is Torts gonna trust Line well, well or vice versa. Well, let's let's go to torts for a second. When Pierre Luc Dubois said in the offseason, "Hey guys, I I kind of want out. I want out of here." Torts was very. 
passive in some of his comments. And then I forgot who they were playing the last game, but Dubois, I think it was, I actually think it was lightning. Dubois opened up the game at a 43 second shift. Maybe wasn't working his hardest and he didn't see the ice for the rest of the game. I mean, he put up a, a line that looked like Stu Bickle when Torts was the Rangers coach. One shift to like 40 seconds in the first period. That was it. Well, and the thing is, is the thing is, is like Dubois even said, because I remember reading this, and we might have even touched base on this on, on the last podcast we did or something. I think one of the last ones um, we might have recorded. I do remember talking about the whole Dubois situation, though. But Dubois even said, I don't want this to become a distraction. Basically, he basically didn't want this to become a distraction in the locker room or anything like that, or just in general. And that he was going, he wasn't going to let this stop him from playing his game. So what happened? And it did. <laughs> and then it did. And then yeah. So like, so it, what happened? I think there was a part. I, I, I can't, I can't speak for either party. Right. Of course. I, I, th- I think the issue would become Torts is a guy who, when you play for him, you love him. When you, but there are times he wears wears you out. It seems the style he wants you to play it wears on players. And I think Dubois was like, I I don't want to do this. This is the. I love playing hockey, but this is not what I want to do here. Some well, players will res- will respond to that style very well, and others just won't. Well, and, and I love I'm a torts guy, love him. But if you look at his career, he won the cup in Tampa Bay, and then after a couple of shaky years, eventually out. He was great for the Rangers when he came in. And after a couple of runs and other players not liking certain styles, he was out. He lasted one year in Vancouver. Out. I think in Columbus he's going on fourth or fifth year, something like that. You know, guys, certain guys respond, other guys don't. Well, and that and that almost seems like there's are certain coaches where they go to they bounce around to different teams or whatever they're able to get players invested, but there's almost like an expiration date to a degree. And I think Urinating Tree might have used this on one of his videos for for uh, talking about a coach. I don't know if it was Keenan or somebody else, but basically the, this idea of the play you eventually will lose the players. So it, you, you're only going to be there for a certain amount of time before the players don't buy into the system or what you're selling anymore. And then the second you lose the locker room, it's over. Um, you know, and basically that's kind of, it's like we're putting torts in this category. Like, um, you know, he really kind of has an expiration date to a degree and he, you know, he's got to get the best out of his players before he eventually loses the locker room just based on his aggressive style of coaching and just the approaches that he has. So we could be reaching that, Mike, as you alluded to, we could be reaching that potentially that expiration date with the Blue Jackets soon. Well, and, du, Jack- and Dubois, uh, Dubois is like the first domino that's fall, that falls. 
Well, that that I, says say, a lot because he was a big name for them. He was a number three pick. He was their top one of their top centers. Like the Blue Jackets sit right now in third place in the Central Division. Like if they don't make the playoffs, I, I mean, and someone else comes out and says something, Torts could be on his way out. Because I, I'll say if they this. don't make the if they don't make the playoffs, he's on a hot seat for sure. I'll say this. I think Patrick Line. If Yarko Klekalainen acquires Patrick Line, Patrick Line is there for the long term. I don't know if John Tortorella is there for the long term, unless unless there's an understanding between Line and Tortorella that this is how it's gonna go. This I need you to buy into my system. And Patrick Line is going to have to buy it. Well, and the thing is, too, is Kekalainen could think, okay, well, well, we'll try to see if these two can coexist. Worst case scenario, Torts might be on the hot seat regardless. I might make a coaching change anyway. So Line will be part of this no matter what going forward. If things don't work out, I'm most likely going to have to make the coaching change anyway based on just how things have gone. So, I mean, that's very well possible that you know he has this in the back of his head. If I have to pick, it's probably going to be Torts that goes out and not right. Line. I'm going to pick yeah. player. Over ju- I mean, you just also just traded for Line A. <laughs> yeah, so you have to pick him over the coach, no matter what, basically, unless it's like a legendary coach. You know well, what I mean? And- here's here's my beef with that is Torts is look at Torts' last two playoffs. He swept Tampa Bay in the first round a couple of years ago. He gave Washington a run for their money a couple of years ago as well. And last year he beats Toronto in the return to play before losing a tight series to the Lightning again. So he's done some good things there. But as Nate said, it's, you kind of he kind of wears it out. But right now you don't have a reason to get rid of him. And not that's not, no. the important thing. And the question is going to be, if you get rid of him, if you decide to get rid of him, who's going in there that's better right now? There's only one guy on the coaching market I look at as a co- head coach I would want, and he's got a job lined up because if the Seattle Kraken do not hire Gerard Gallant, they are doing it wrong. Well, and Gallant is perfect because he just did this in vegas and so he's already got the expansion team mindset and if he wants to do things a little bit differently than how he did things in vegas i don't know why you would do anything different because it did work out but um then you do that yeah so we'll see how the torts lining marriage works out obviously dubois dubois and winnipeg the the interesting thing about Winnipeg as as I take a look at where they are Winnipeg right now is in third in the North Division they've played better than I thought they would have played so far this year they've played much better than I thought they were going to you had Pierre-Luc Dubois now you have great center depth and Connor Hellebuck's been really good if you add a defenseman or two Winnipeg's a team in this shortened season that can go on a major run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I like the makings of the Winnipeg Jets. Some would say they're ready for takeoff. Oh, he strikes again. Yeah, I got to get him in when I can. Yeah, yeah, you do. (laughs) I got to get him in. Okay, uh, so on to some other news. I think this is from last week, but Penguins general manager Jimmy Rutherford had stepped down. Um, Did it say, Nate, because of health reasons? I don't think it did. No, they said it was not because of health reasons. Not because of health reasons. But Jimmy Rutherford has stepped down as the Penguins general manager. Uh, led the Penguins to w- two cup winning, two cup wins. And look, did a great job. So, yeah. Again, sometimes you feel like you've done enough, and you don't need to do it anymore. And that's how he felt. Well, he's very he's he's older too. I mean, he yeah, probably he's wants to, up there. He's, his, I, he he's I think he said that he might come back into the game again but he said that he wants he wants to take the rest of this season to evaluate what he wants to do whether he comes back he might he might try to become a gm of another team or something um you know or i mean i guess i guess he could always take another role kind of like what george mcphee is doing in vegas he's no longer the gm but he kind of oversees everything maybe rutherford could go do that now so he doesn't have to be on the phone all the time making trades making these decisions he can kind of take a little bit of a back seat maybe do some advising work for the gm or something like that a consultant of sorts but yeah he's got to think all that stuff through but yeah i mean look he is he is one of the best to ever do it in the GM role. And I mean, I feel like we don't talk about that 2006 Carolina hurricane team enough, but that 2016 was phenomenal. You know, you had guys like Rod Brindamore, Eric Stahl. Um, obviously like Stahl was, you know, they brought Brindamore in, you know, he had been there or whatever. Well, Cam Ward, obviously Cam Ward, but also just the moves that were made that season to help bring in, like, I mean, Mark Recchi was brought in um, for the, for that. Mark Recchi was brought in for that run. Uh, Doug Waite was brought in as another offensive mind. Um, a guy Didn't who's... they had Yoni Pitkin into the back end? That was a little later. That was, I think, the following season. Okay. A season or two later. Um but you had Tomas Caberle's brother, Frantisek. Frankie. Frank uh, Caberle. Um, Glenn Wesley was still there. Who had been there for a long time. Mike Justin Commodore. Williams. Justin Williams. A young Justin Williams. Before he became known as the game, Mr. Game 7, we know of him today. Um, which, by the way, news, he did join the... Uh, the Join Carolina the Hurricanes front squad. office, so congratulations. Cool side thing for that that happened this past week um but yeah bringing in guys like recce and wade and um cory stillman who won the cup with the lightning the previous year i mean that's you know well there was the lockout in between but basically the previous year um you know i mean that that speaks volumes and that's that there was a lot of a lot of good experience in that locker room that that help those younger guys along like stall and cam ward and they were able to uh, to get the ultimate prize but not to sorry mike not but uh you know with those penguins teams too i mean 
You know, the Penguin... Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, there was the Hornquist. Was Hornquist, was that... Was Hornquist part of that? I think he added Hornquist. I mean, Horn, Hornquist, Hornquist was a great move. Um, I mean, the, the thing that I, I give him the most credit for was he completely brought in the HBK line, as it was called, for those uh, for those, that for that playoff run in 2016. And I think they might have also been used in 2017. But bringing in Carl Hagelin, Phil Kessel, and Nick Benino. Now, granted. He wasn't like, oh, we're going to put all three of these guys together. That was more on, uh, you know, the coach and everything. But, you know, he saw the talent in how fast the speed and, you know, the talent that Haglin was. Phil Kessel got the perfect gig because, you know, I mean, too many times it seemed like, like in Toronto, they wanted him to be the guy. Well, let's have Phil Kessel be the guy. Phil Kessel is great in the role of not being the guy, but being kind of like the Robin to the Batman, which I guess in Pittsburgh's case is a little bit different because Malkin would be that spot. But Kessel is good at being the number two guy. He's not the face of the franchise. Like they tried that in Toronto and it didn't really work, but he can be the second best guy or the third best guy. And he was very comfortable in his role being the number three guy behind Crosby and Malkin when it came to the offense. And he was phenomenal with what he was able to do in that role as a right winger. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, and to have a guy like Nick Benino as your third line center, I mean, that's just, that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal work because he was still very good at the time and everything just clicked. He was able to find guys that clicked and that's what made it work. Hagelin, Benino and Kessel just worked. And he brought all three of those guys in because Hagelin didn't work out in Anaheim. You know, he was only there for a short time. And then Pittsburgh's like, we'll take him. Uh, you know, they, they they grabbed Benino. You know, that was the Benino for Sutter trade, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, Brandon Sutter had been there in Pittsburgh, moved him. Uh, Benino was there. I think Benino was part of the Kessler trade originally. So Benino was with uh, Vancouver for a little while, for a short time. And then, like I said, Kessel, uh, you know, being the big move that happened with the Leafs in the... the And that's just just the true mark of a great GM, finding guys that just work. You don't find the slashy guys, you find the guys that work in your system, and the proof speaks for itself. Two cup wins, two back-to-back, right? Back-to-back. Which is so hard to do. I think that was the first, first time that since ever. Detroit. Yeah. So that alone shows you that he knew how to run that thing. He knew what to do. He knew how to like what, what who to put where and what to do with who to make the machine run as smooth as it could. And he gets more credit now because, I mean, he had the 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 lone win cup win in Carolina. But now because he was able to do back-to-back in Pittsburgh, I mean, do it, winning the one in Pittsburgh would have all, already, you know, I mean, that would have been enough as it was. But then he was able to – it adds more when he gets the second one back-to-back years in 2017 as well. So now he's got three cup wins. And like I said, I mean, you know, just, just a, a, a very awesome uh, GM. And like I said, one of the best to do it. And um, – well deserved for all the honor that he does get for uh, for what he's been able to accomplish. 
So, to prove I am a genius at what I do, Jimmy Rutherford was hired in June of, early June of 2014. Yep. At the end of June 2014, Jimmy Rutherford made a trade. He traded James Neal to the Nashville Predators for Nick Spalling and Patrick Hornquist. So, he did make that move. Yeah, so that was that was like one of his first moves. That that was uh, Patrick Hornquist was such an important player on those cup winning teams, being a nuisance in front. I, I mean, watch those games. That's what he did. I feel like he never got enough credit in that. Never though. did. Never did. And I think a lot of those guys today don't get enough credit because. We as fans get so enamored with the McDavid or the Nathan McKinnon highlight real goals. It's so easy. Because it's beautiful. The garbage goals count just as much. Yeah. It's still a goal. It doesn't matter yeah, how you right. get it. And, and, and the same. they're greasy and they're they're just as nice. So so yeah. So Here's the thing that I'll say about Jimmy Rutherford, because he was always also very creative in moves he made. And little minor things you'll see, like he adds Nick, I think it was last year he made a trade for Nick Bugstad. And it was just like, how does Nick Bugstad fit in Pittsburgh? And you look down the line and goes, huh, that actually kind of works. I kind of like that. That's a low-key nice move. So it doesn't always have to be the sexy name, but Mosey, you're right. A guy like Carl Haglin really fit there. What they needed was some speed, some energy, good guy on the PK. That's a nice fit there. Here's the problem you're going to have if you're the new guy coming in. The Pittsburgh Penguins need a guy who's ready to help them win now. Because as long as 87, 71, 58 are there, you can't move any one of them. Yeah, you're winning now until they retire. They they have to be Penguins for life. Like, they're the NWO. Once you're NWO, you're for life. Once you're a Penguin, you're a Penguin for life. I knew. How did I know you were going to use that that reference? (laughs) Because I'm just too sweet. When you said penguin for life, I just I heard the NWO guy for 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 life. <laughs> no, but but those three, all three eventually numbers are going to be retired, and all three of them are going to the hockey hall of fame. That's not going to be a question. Hollywood Crosby. Hmm. I'm now trying to picture which one of Guinea Malkin would be. Because I think Chris Letang would be Scott Hall. Is Malkin Nash? Uh, I guess that would make Malkin Nash. Malkin would be Nash, yeah. That's weird. Okay. Because Crosby and Hogan makes a lot of sense just because of their popularity. Oh, my God. If Letang's name was actually Stills, they'd be Crosby, Stills, and Nash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, I always wanted to make the Crosby, the Crosby Stillman and Nash joke. I mean, I know that's not the same thing, but okay. So, if you're the next, 
here's the other interesting thing, because if you look at Pittsburgh's window, what what would you say, Moser, Pittsburgh's window, two, three years? Yeah, I'd say for, I'd say for, I'd for, probably for go with three, I'd probably go with three, three okay. probably. That sounds you're that looking, sounds pretty right. You're looking at three years. I, I mean, I I think their window is a little bit shorter than Boston's window. I think Boston's window is a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. But you're gonna have to make moves. It, Here's the thing if you're a Penguin fan that you're going to have to understand. You cannot worry about 20, 25, 26 yet. Don't worry about that. Because eventually that's going to come. Your window right now is with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and company. You have to go in now. You can't think about down the road because... You want these guys to win, and you're not going to sacrifice. Because I don't want to see Crosby really play anywhere else. Malkin, I, I don't see another team really trading for Evgeny Malkin currently. Same thing with Chris Letang, especially in a flat cap era. So I don't want to use the term stuck with, but they're there. They're going to be... Who's the most likely to get moved? Latang? Uh, no, I'd say Malkin. You think Malkin's I'd say Latang or Malkin. Well, yeah. I mean, well, Crosby is... I Crosby's just, unmovable. Just, Crosby's never going Probably, anywhere. Yeah, he's never going anywhere. What, uh, it it no would one. have to be Latang or Malkin. And, and I, I think with Latang's injury history, it'd have to be Malkin. Yeah, that's fair. Here's what a package for Malkin would look like. I'm trying to think. First in there. I would. I I gotta think of a team that would do it right now. Yeah, who would even go pull that trigger? The Columbus Blue Jackets, (laughs) not. Hmm. You know what? I don't know if they would do because I don't think they'd give up a ton of assets in it. But I could totally see Anaheim trying to figure that out. But they're they're yeah yeah. There are ways yeah. away. I know, but you have to it figure just, some. It doesn't do Malkin any services. Also, does Malkin have a no trade or no movement clause too? Ah, hold on. My guess would be yes, but let let me look that up. Random team I'm throwing out there. Do you do you think he would go to the Panthers? It's an interesting idea. I don't know how they afford him. Yeah. Well, plus plus he would stick out because they're they're pretty much a young team, and then all of a sudden you just have Malkin. Yeah, you have like an aging. You have the old veteran gonna well, come in. Well, because I I don't know why. Like when. When Mike mentioned Anaheim, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, like a nice warm place to retire. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess he could go to like – like I immediately thought of like the Ole Jokinen, like Joe – you know, Florida Florida Panthers because when Ole Jokinen was there, I still remember 
Like Joe, like I had heard rumors when Joe Newendike and Gary Roberts both went down to play for the Florida Panthers that they did that so they could retire down there. <laughs> okay, so Malkin's got two years left and a no movement. Crosby's got five years at a no movement. See if I can get to Latang. It'll be Letang's weird. To see, two, that'd be weird uh, to see Crosby play without Malkin. Latang's got two and a no trade also. Wow. So Latang and Malkin are there at least the next two years. That's from CapFriendly.com. But look, it, it, uh, they went very bold this offseason by saying Tristan Jari is our guy. I think that's an area maybe they have to look at. Not saying Jari can't be the guy. Well, they're giving him a shot. But you gotta, you know, work, work. if it doesn't get done this year, maybe you explore a goalie to help him next year. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a guy in Vegas could help him. No. Man, there was talk about that. Mm, that there sucks of Robin Leonard going to Pittsburgh. Oh, the other guy. <laughs> Leonard, Leonard ain't going anywhere. Nah. Um, I, I mean, Malkin or Latang. Yeah, so that's what I thought. So DeSmith, Casey DeSmith is the backup right now for uh, – actually, is it DeSmith? Because I also see they have Maxim Legacy as well on the roster. I think they're carrying three goalies. I think they're carrying more than three. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm. Let me go to a better source for this. All right, but yeah. So if you're the G, next GM of Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're winning now. You're not thinking of the long-term future, and I think the fan base has to understand that. You gotta That's do short-term, do. short-term deals, short-term trades, based, stuff like that, basically. You you're looking to win a cup in the next. Two three years. Yeah, you gotta get the you gotta get the best core. talent right. You gotta get the best talent right now. Yeah. There's they, no there's no getting around that. They have four goalies on their roster on the website roster right now. Uh, so it's Tristan Jerry, uh, Maxime Legacy, who for those who might not remember was a bat one of the backup goalies uh, for the Golden Knights back. I, I mean, I remember him when it was the Golden Knights' initial season and they a flurry got heard and then uh, Subban got heard and then Oscar Dansk got heard and then all of a sudden, like, Maxim Legacy was, like, the fourth-string goalie and he was, like, winning games for them. And it was just, like, that weird story in the beginning of the year. So Maxim Legacy is now in Pittsburgh. Uh, Casey DeSmith, I think I said that already, uh, he, he's also a backup there. And then they have this guy, Alex D'Orio. D apostrophe O R I O. So I'm guessing oh. Diorio and Legacy would be on the taxi squad. I'm guessing either that or either that or they're doing like a rotate. They're rotating between the Smith and Legacy. Yeah. All right, so that's Pittsburgh. Event. Maybe later on I'll do a deeper dive on Pittsburgh as like a state of the Rifkin address. As a fun one. Oh, that would be fun. Short term. 
And there were different names for for like who would replace Jim Rutherford yeah. as GM. Like I know like Ron Hextall got an interview with the Penguins, which I think would just be so interesting because I've always just associated him with the Flyers. Um, I, I know I think they wanted to talk to Chris Drury. Of they the were Rangers. granted permission to talk to Chris Drury before he had said no thanks, and the Rangers had elevated his title. I think I had heard about Tom Fitzgerald as well, like, which is weird because isn't he like the GM for the Devils? The Devils. So that's just really interesting. That like, why would you? <laughs> uh, I thought really? I saw his name in there, but uh, and then Weeks I also I also too. what Kevin Weeks? Yeah, I did see the Kevin Weeks thing too, which would be so interesting. I mean, he's such a he's such a smart guy. I mean, I love watching him on NHL Network. Oh, he's phenomenal. That's really, someone else we should we should try to reach out to. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that absolutely. Um, and and I think I saw and 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 there were other people too because I know he just got named as an assistant GM for Seattle with the Kraken, but um, I, I know some people threw out Jason Botterill's name. I mean, obviously he didn't really it didn't work out with him with with the Sabers, but um, you know, I mean, if he wanted another kick at the can. I mean, this was a team that he was an assistant for for a long time. He knows probably most of that roster still. So it's something to at least, you know, consider. I mean, the thing is, is he just got hired by Seattle, though. So, I mean, he most likely isn't changing plans. But, I mean, it's stranger things have happened. I've never seen stranger things, to be honest with you. I haven't either. I don't care. I haven't either. Wow. How how did all three of us not see that show? I will say that. It's always looked interesting, though, to be honest. There is one person who has not even been asked to interview for the Penguins GM job. I'm very surprised by it. If you say yourself, I'm quitting. (laughs) You can't quit. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't going to be me, but now I want him to leave. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but now that you said it, see you later. <laughs> uh, and he puts the headset down. And he's gone. <laughs> All right. So, you, you know what? Maybe that's the, the first one I'll do. I'll do a fun one with Pittsburgh for the first Rifkin address. Sounds good to me. That'll be fun. Okay, so we'll close this out. We'll take a quick look at the standings, and there are certain things that jump out. I have them in front of me, Mike, if you want me to read them off. I've got it in front of me, too. Okay. So May as well. All right, so it's weird because of COVID, you have these different situations of games played. I've got to say, though... One thing I want to talk about before we get into the standings, I don't know if you guys have watched the Dallas Stars play yet, but they they look so good. They look like the team that was in the bubble. J- Joe Pavelski's like a fine wine. He gets better with age. <sighs> Anton Kadobin is still like... <sighs> he... he as I saw you tweet something out about him. Huh? I saw I saw you tweet something out about him. I think I don't know yeah. if it was his debut. Oh, yeah, yeah. first game of the year for the Dallas Stars. He gets a shutout against Nashville. 
And there were people saying, oh, the dude's a stud. The dude deserves every penny, and he owes me something for being the president of the fan club. <laughs> Big Anton Kedobin. We're not Again, going home. <laughs> guy's so good. Really, yeah, he's and Dallas out. playing so well without Tyler Sagan, and that's the thing that really get. Once I get Sagan back, whoo, look out! I, I, Tampa, Tampa looks phenomenal without Kucherov. That top line of Point is it? It's Point, it's Stamkos, and it's Palat, right? I believe so. Oh. I I think that might be what it is. Yeah, uh, they look great. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that, those are the. Well, they I mean, they have so much depth in general, and that's why I mean, and I when I've written my articles about them, that's really, it's really what I keep hammering home is just, and that's why they were able to win last year. I mean, look, last year they didn't have Stamkos for for I mean all of the playoffs, and they didn't need them, and now all of a sudden they don't need Kucherov either. Like, you know, because because as good as they are, and they're phenomenal, Stamkos and Kucherov, two of the best players in the league, they're just good because everyone just – it clicks. It everyone clicks. fits – everyone does their role, does their job. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, their depth everywhere is – if it's not the best, it's one of the best in the whole league. I mean, and, just look at the, the the defense. I think it's on the left, left or right, left side. Hedman, McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev. And and the thing with that too is like I because I wrote an article where I talked about what, how what McDonough had done for for you know some parts of the se- at the beginning of this season. And I said, look, it's very easy to just talk about Hedman because of how good Hedman is. But McDonough is a great defenseman in his own right, and he doesn't get as much attention. Him. Oh, I know. I look the the thing is is that he doesn't get as much attention anymore because he's no longer the number one defenseman like he was when he was with the Rangers. He's no longer the captain of the team like he was when he was with the Rangers. You know, so he's he's hidden behind Hedman and I guess Stamkos because Stamkos is the captain, but. You know, I mean, he's a locker room veteran presence that also is phenomenal. And he's able to help, you know, younger guys like Cal Foote and uh, Eric Chernak when he was kind of breaking in himself. You know, he's able to get these younger guys and show them how to do it. This is what I mean when Hedman's not doing it because they both are just great role models that you can go off of. But these are the guys you want to learn from because they're two of the best to do it right now in the league. And I mean, if I mean if I if you're Cal Foot, you're loving this, you know, because he's breaking in and he's got great mentors to go off of. He can he can see how to prep for the games and for skating and everything, practices and everything like that from two of the best. Can, can, I'm going to quote Family Guy for a second. Okay. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? All right there, Peter Griffin. What? The fact that no team in the National Hockey League thought of this. You could have offered Sheila Anthony Sorelli, 
Mikhail Sergachev or Eric Chernak, and no one did it, and they just let Tampa be really good again. I would have. Memo to NHL GMs should have done something about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Sergachev would have been. I mean, I mean, I, any of them, but but Sergachev for me specifically. And we talk about all these guys. Oh, sorry, Nate. I thought you were done. Oh, just how good, just how good Sergachev is. I mean, there's a lot of people who could use him as a nice, as a nice defenseman. I mean, he's like I say, he's not a number one guy, but, but he's just good at being like a middle of the pack defenseman, and he he brings it every single line, and he's just phenomenal. And like you said, Mike, I mean, anybody could have could have offer sheeted him. And I still don't understand why teams don't offer sheet because it's totally legal. They, you know, oh, well, I don't, I don't want, you know, it's like oh, I don't want my, you know, like the GM doesn't want to be like hated around the league or whatever. And it's like, why, what? Instead of hating that guy, why don't you do it yourself? You know, it's like offer sheet people. If you, if you, if you don't want a guy to get to leave your team through an offer sheet. Then maybe you should sign them before free agency starts. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, there's j- just do what you got to do here. I mean, there's no reason why, you know, no one. It makes it so much more interesting to cover. Obviously, not that it's not interesting to cover in general, but it's so much more interesting when you see stuff like this happen, which it doesn't happen enough. And the goal for GMs is to make your team better. So why would you know? Oh, geez, there's really good players available. Throw so throw an offer sheet at them, you know. And because I I understand that now you could lose picks if you know because of the the signing of a restricted free agent. I don't care. I've got a sure thing. I know Mikhail Sergachev's twenty something years old, and he he can blossom into a stud defenseman. Anthony Sorelli can be a great number two center anywhere. It just uh, drives me nuts. It's just crazy talking about this team, and it's like you haven't even gotten to, like you get past this entire team. You talk about all the talent that you that you have in this team. It's like, okay, like you get enough team, you get by. Oh, that's right. You got to deal with Andre Vasilevsky in goal yeah, now. We didn't talk about the best goalie in hockey. Yeah. What goal against average of a 1.8 over nine games? Like that is insane. He, 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 here's the other thing too, and I know John Cooper knows this because he's a good coach. You don't have to ride Vasilevsky this whole season because your team's good enough, right? But B. This team can just do whatever they want. They're the, now their competition in this in the central division that they they're in. You know, you look at this division. Their main, I'm gonna say their main competition. Obviously, top four teams in each division get in, but Dallas, Carolina. The Panthers are looking pretty good. Panthers look good. They're the only team who hasn't lost in regulation yet. Although, they've been outscoring people. I don't know what's wrong. I I don't know if Bobrovsky's gotten his game back. I I don't know what their issue is defensively. Uh, I don't hate Columbus. I think Nashville can make a run. 
I don't trust Chicago at all. I know they're they're in it, but I don't trust them. Detroit's probably going to be last. Okay. So Detroit's been on NBC twice so far this year, and I'm not. That's not my issue. So Wednesday night they got Wednesday night doubleheader. The first game is Detroit at Tampa. The Stevie Eiserman Bowl. <laughs> it wasn't good. I'm watching Detroit, and it's just their points. They're not moving their feet. They're not doing anything. I know Tampa's good, but it was so one-sided that I was like, it got me wondering why is Jeff Blashill still there? That that's a guy who you like forget about is the head coach in Detroit. And then you remember, and it's like, well, how, they, how is he still there? And it's yeah, like, I'm watching that for the longest going, time. I'm going, I, I, I get it. You may not get a sexy name in there, but whew. does he have the highest seat? He's got one of them. He's got it. Let me rephrase that. He's got to have one of them. He's been there for how long? Hasn't he been there for like six, seven years? Yeah, I was to say it was like six he years. He was after Babcock. Yeah. Right. Jesus. Do you want that's him back? A, <laughs> Do you want? Yeah. That's the central. Let's move into the east. I, I mean, nothing too shocking here. Nothing shocking here. I kind of th- figured four through eight is a free for all. The top three are the top three, Boston, Philly, Washington, any order. Well, it, I mean, literally, as you said, it's – it's it's. Pittsburgh's it, ahead by one point over the – By one Islanders point, and everyone else is 10. So, I mean, it's like this – this yeah. So that fourth spot is the pretty – Islanders, Islanders are a little surprised. I feel like they, should, they would be playing play better than this. They had lost – I think it was five in a row going into tonight. They beat Pittsburgh, but – these teams are just going to beat each other up. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, you, you know what? I, I'll do it because I, I think we should. I mean, Boston just went into Philly and beat the Flyers twice. And that that, that guy who wears 88 in Boston has come back and he hasn't missed a beat. David Posternock looks phenomenal. Defend, they look so much better defensively. Too. They look like the team they were before they got into the bubble. Not giving up too many odd man rushes, doing little things. I like how Boston's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mose, and, and you want to take? And David Posternak, to put things in perspective, because I just looked it up, he's like a week older than me. <laughs> wow. And he's just – and, like, I mean, that's something that I always keep forgetting is just how young, like, some of these guys are. But, yeah, David Posternak, his birthday is May 25th. My birthday is June 6th. So, I mean, it's like – Like, you're reminding us of your birthday four months before it actually happens. I'm so not doing it for that. I, I'm not getting you a present. <laughs> We're not getting you anything, Nathan. Drop it. You know, you Give know, me a good hockey team. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my. Uh, you know, um – you know what? I could have if the Pagulas had hired me as GM. Just they hire you and you just come in one day. That's your birthday gift. Me fixing the safers. Your birthday gift's a cardboard cut out of me. 
<laughs> record your turn. All right, moving on. Uh, All right. But, but yeah, this um, division, nothing really surprising here. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how the fourth, we'll see how that fourth spot shakes out because. I mean, right now it's. I mean, Boston. It's all. It's uh, all eight teams fighting for that spot. I, I, I think it's going to be. I don't think the Devils are going to be there. No. The Rangers, I think, could be there. I think the Rangers, Rangers the Islanders, or the Penguins can be there. I yeah. think it, the thing about the Sabers, and, and I wanted to mention this because I got to watch them a lot last week because they played the Rangers and the Devils. Mm-hmm. I was impressed with Linus Olmark. He played very well. Well, that's what I, this season the season was kind of about is making him the number one guy for a season and just seeing because they're both him and Hutton are free agents. Yeah. So I like the way he's played. I like their group of forwards. I'm not. I don't love the defense. Outside of Darlene, the rest of it's solid. He changed. They they need some, you know, they just need more guys who can move the puck a little bit better on the back end. That That's yep, what yep. I'm looking for. But I think I, the goaltending is where I would stack them up. But I think Pittsburgh, the Rangers, and the Islanders, I think they're all looking at that four spot. And 100%. the Rangers are now playing better. So we'll see what happens. All right, the North Division... Toronto at the top has played well. Um, Again, you're looking at a team that outscores everyone. And so I don't know how I judge Toronto just because they can score a ton of goals. That's fine. And the amount, yeah, the depth that they've added is just. Wayne Simmons is the most un, is the most underrated free agent signing of the off season, the way he has sparked them. Yeah, I can get behind Mm that. 100%. Everyone Everyone talks about the crazy train. All aboard the Wayne train. <laughs> um, so t- Montreal's in second place. They've played uh, very well. They, they've looked so phenomenal. I've watched almost well, every game. We, and I mean, no, we talked before. And they, they're doing the same things they did last year, except for one thing. They can score they now. They can score now. And, I mean, talk Tyler about... Tyler Toffoli just... Play Vancouver. The Vancouver Canucks whenever he plays. Because Jesus, that guy when he plays Vancouver, my God, that guy just unloads everything he has. I mean, Nate, I remember you saying last year when they signed him, and they said, and you said, oh, he could be a 20, 25 goal scorer. God, he could be way more than that at this rate. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the spark the spark that he's. The spark that he's had, he can he can, de- he can definitely hit more this year. But um, and, and, and Josh Anderson's not that far behind him. And the thing the thing is too is is to fully. I mean, I I just think that. I mean, the the thing is like with if you're a Vancouver fan, you're just every single time to fully just does something to burn him. It's just like because they they could have kept him and they didn't. <laughs> and you're you're seeing you're seeing the the result of what what he can bring now. And I mean, I mean, Toffoli, like I said, Toffoli was a top forward free agent in the offseason. And you're seeing just what can happen when he's in the right situation because um, he is what he can bring to a team because he's a he is a very good hockey player. And I mean, Josh Anderson, uh, Noah, like Correct. you mentioned, is is very good as well. And, and that was the thing, too, is I remember some people questioning that move that when they made that move to get him. 
And it's, you know, it's just based like, oh, well, you know, they're kind of banking on his on his potential. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's showing got 10 points in 12 games, eight goals, two Cur- assists. Yeah, currently right now, uh, Tyler Toffoli is second in goals and Josh Anderson is fourth in goals. Like that, like their offensive firepower for the Montreal Canadiens has it just exploded. And Nick Suzuki, Kakiemi, they're they're still ascending in in the ranks. And we also need to talk about how Jeff Petrie is the number one point oh, getter right now. Jeff Petrie <laughs> is having the career year. And it's like what a time to have it. And they just signed him to an extension in the off season. Yep. So. yep. Good, good job. That money. And guess what? As many goals as they score. All they have to do is know Carey Price is not giving up more than four. Well, and that's another that's another thing I want to talk about is that obviously Carey Price has always been kind of this, like he's always been a slow starter. He's always kind of like got needs to get his feet under him, and then at, at the end of the year he'll be fantastic. But having Jake Allen is yep. such a huge because you don't have to ride him. Like, don't what, have... what I just said about Andre Vasilevsky, you don't trust your backup. Well. Mark Bergevin did a smart thing and acquired a guy who you could trust to be the backup. And Jake Allen has really stepped his game up. In the and few games looked, I've seen him play, he's looked phenomenal. He was great today against Ottawa. He was yeah, really he was good. fantastic. Doesn't yeah, let, Ottawa doesn't, was he's, really good today, too. They, he, deserve, they, they deserved a point, and they didn't get it. But Jake Allen is just kind of like almost like a Carey Price. He does He's very good at rebound control. Doesn't let the puck get away from him. Jake Allen's also good at insurance. He's helped me save a lot on State Farm insurance. Of course he has. Um, so we well we talked about we talked about with Allen. I mean we talked about with with both Dubois and Line A how oh, well you know they need changes of scenery and I think Allen was the same case too because he he had only been in St Louis this entire time and. You know, you're seeing the. I mean, obviously, he's not a starter like he had been at one point in St. Louis, but um, I mean, the, like I said, the. You know, Allen's in like the perfect role right now for himself, and like and like we've been saying, this takes this takes the load off of Carey Price. You know, Price doesn't like we said, Carey Price doesn't have to be the guy. You know, it's like I mean, he I mean he is the guy, but he doesn't have to be the guy where. You you it's oh we got to put price and got to put price and got to put price in every single time it's okay price you're not feeling a hundred percent we don't need you tonight Just sit there we're gonna have Allen go in there we trust Allen we trust you have a solid backup we just let him play Allen's comfortable in his role and it just seems like that that's just a duo that's should be very happy right now as things stand I mean you could you put this as the best goaltending duo in the league or at least a top three i know it's been talked about as possibly be arguably being one of the best for sure okay so i'm gonna put vegas ahead of them i, I like probably Leonard. would too but they're definitely they're they're in the montreal's in the conversation though for sure um dallas when ben bishop's healthy has to be in that conversation too fair can we talk about, can we talk about how like I expected like a better start from Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, Vancouver okay, is so, like. So let's hit, hit Vancouver because it, it, it's not good. It's not awful. Like, right. No, it, it's just it's just it's just they because the games that I've seen from them, obviously I watched a lot when Montreal played. It's just for some reason Montreal just had their number. They're, it was they they're 
back end is something's wrong on the back end. Yeah, something's wrong. Like you, you think with Quinn Hughes and all those guys, like oof, it, uh, and I, and Demko. Demko is taking a real big step back in my from what I've seen. Well, I I think the thing that hurts a guy like that that's a younger guy who didn't have a real training camp. Remember that mm. that's where I think a lot of this. Brayden Holtby's there. He didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated. He had a week of training camp. Thatcher Demko, kind of the same thing. So it's kind of, you're also learning this on the fly. So I think their goaltending is going to be fine. I'm more concerned about their defense. Quinn Hughes is okay. It's been solid. He's going to do his thing. Yeah, but uh, Tyler Myers is a penalty every shift he's out there. Yeah, Alex Edler looks terrible. They're playing him with a rookie who hasn't played well. They miss Brandon Tanev des- uh, a whole heck of a lot. And and, and for here's, they, oh sorry, go ahead, Mike. Here's the other thing. I think I read this from I think it was uh, one of the Sportsnet Vancouver people. Elias Pettersson's hit seven posts, so seven posts or crossbars this year. Eventually, those are going to go in for Elias Pettersson. <laughs> yeah, but you know that that's got to be taking a frustrating toll on him mentally because oh, yeah. he, there was a play tonight against Toronto where he had a wide open net and the puck just bounces over a stick and it's just like eventually it's going to get going for Yeah, because... I mean, I remember... Yeah, just, I remember one of the games against Montreal, all you heard was ding, ding, ding. Like, it, they were just clanging them right off it. Yeah. It's bad It's bad puck luck. And, but the thing with that is that that just kind of changes on its own, and then you start getting some. It all kind of evens itself out eventually. But to, but to go back to what you said, Mike, about their defense, is that I, slippery slope, because you've got, like, Vancouver, you don't want to end up like Toronto. Where I know they lead the division, but you don't want to have it to where you have to just score five goals a night because yeah. you're giving up four on the other side. Right. It's something that's going to have to be addressed. They're going to have and, to make a deal um, at some point to get help on that back. And I don't know who it would be or what it's going to cost, but you have to go do I mean, something. I mean, just look at these numbers. The, the Canucks have gotten 49 goals for, but they've given up 60. Mm-hmm. 60 in 15 games. Yeah, that that's one word to describe it. Unacceptable. That's nearly how, three. That's like four goals a game. How much longer is Alexander Edler going to be on the team? <laughs> because I feel like, like I like he's 34 years old right now. He's has four assists in 14 games right now. But I just feel like they've kept him for so long. And I just feel like they kind of just need to move on from him. Like, I mean, I don't know if he's going to go anywhere else or if he's just going to retire. But, I mean, he's had a heck of a career. But I just think that they kind of need to move from another direction from him. And I know he's been there for a long time. But I just feel like when we're talking about the defense, I just feel like he's a guy who kind of needs to go. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong about that. Becoming a, well, becoming a liability. When the, the issue you have, and, and I could explain it, the league is getting faster on the wings down the middle. When you have an older defenseman, it's hard for them to keep him in contained. Every, and especially every, when you're pairing him with a rookie, which is e- hard enough. 
every single time, like obviously the only chance I've seen them this year was when I watched a couple of Montreal games against them. But every time the puck went down on the uh, in their zone and Etler was out there, Montreal guys were beating him to the puck every yeah. single time. It, it, it's a speed game, and it's a problem, and it's something Vancouver's got because the, the two, three guys have major issues for them. Edler's got issues. Tyler Myers is taking way too many penalties, whether it's a hook, a hold, or a trip. It's not good. And Jordy Benjus has not played well either. He's a minus seven, I think, or something like that. Well, he's not. So I mean, they've got to tighten it up defensively. Well, and they're not. I mean, like Jordy Ben's not a fast guy. Not that that's what his role is, but you know, he's no. not, he's not fast. Myers is. All right, I guess. But they gave Myers a big deal. Well, yeah, right, and he's not playing up to that. Right, you you need to find this, find figure this. the The break for them is they're gonna be in this race because they they're gonna find their game. That right now they're tied with Edmonton in points for fourth. The issue is they played more games than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to get get one up on them. Right. Everyone's got games in hand on them. That's going to be their issue. I feel like I remember the Tyler Myers penalty thing being an issue in Buffalo, too, where it seemed like every single game, it seemed like he was in the box. Yeah. So it's so, just something that just never really improved, it doesn't seem like. And Vancouver, if you don't turn this around, I apologize. This is my fault for picking you to win this division. We all did. I think I, yeah. I, yeah, I know, but I was, I don't know how this went down, but I wrote it down early in the day when we were going to do it. So I thought I was going out on Vancouver winning the division. It wasn't. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to say I'm disappointed in Ottawa, but it's Ottawa. They play hard. They for, play very for... hard. Okay. Out to the West where. Minnesota's kind of surprising. Well, Arizona's. honestly, look, look at look at the te- looking at looking at the teams below them. Not really that surprising. No, we we knew the top what the top three was. It was just the question of who's going to be in fourth. Right. Who's and the right, fourth team? And right now, I don't see the Kings being a factor. I don't see the Sharks being a factor. It's really a three horse race at this point for four. It's, bet- it's between the Ducks, the Coyotes, and the Wild. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm disappointed in the Sharks. And I watched, I actually watched the Sharks Ducks game last night because, well, straight up, I'm a hockey nerd. And, and I'm like watching the Sharks. The Sharks were down three to one going into the third, and they scored two goals in a minute seventeen, I think, or a minute seven, something like that. It was Kitcher and Kane. And I'm going, okay, all right. And eventually they go to over. Uh, they go to the shootout and win. And I just looked at the Sharks during that game, and I'm going, "This is the same team it's been for years." Yeah. And it's just not any better than it's ever been. No. At some point, this roster has to change. But those contracts are just not movable. The Carlson one's not movable. Yeah, the Carlson one's Carl, not movable. Carl, Carlson looks okay, but I don't know if he could stay healthy. Brent Burns. You know, it's just this line. They're trying to be this in-the-middle team of, 
we have these really high priced vets and some younger guys coming in. It's just, I don't know how the meshing works, but yeah, they're interesting. But we, we knew Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, those are the top three teams. Those are three of the best teams in the it league. Just, it, it's just going to depend on who what the order is. Yeah. So, and, and, and honestly, we're going to get more of a sequence of seeing what teams are the more games we play. We, we're only at – Vancouver's got 15. They've played the most in the league. Everyone else is around 12. And some are even down at eight. Right, because of COVID issues. COVID, yeah. But look, as this goes on, we're going to find out more about some of these teams. 100%. And we'll talk to you about it. Because that's what we do here on the Breakaway Bandits podcast. So, for Nathan Moser, for Noah Trombley, I'm Mike Grifkin. Have a happy Super Bowl Sunday. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Namaste.